0: Sports Scourts with with Crom is brought to you by Top Choice Athletics, the number one company in customized sports equipment and apparel, specializing in baseball, basketball, soccer, volleyball, tennis, golf, and of course, football. All apparel and equipment can be customized according to your needs. To stay tuned to exciting sports news and deals, follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Top Choice Athletics and follow them on Twitter at RealTC Athletics. Check out their awesome products and order online today from TopChoiceAthletics.com. Welcome back to Sports Cuts with D. Cromley, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromwell. Well, the 2018 NFL regular season comes to an end this weekend with three playoff teams and 11 playoff seeds still yet to be determined. But as we've been saying for weeks, just as it appears the ride is ending, it's really just beginning, isn't it, Hal Bent?
1: It certainly is, David. We are quickly getting to the real NFL season. We're just one week away from the playoffs, and I can't wait to see how everything shakes down this weekend.
0: Uh, me neither, and the point being, like in 2011, at this point of the year, who had the Giants winning it all? In 2012, who had the Ravens winning it all at this point of the year? Uh, last year, everyone was writing the Eagles off saying, oh, they will be a one-and-done team. Uh, in 2015, people were saying the Broncos would be a one and one-and-done team in the playoffs. You just never know what's going to happen in the National Football League, and that's why this ride is only just beginning.
1: That's right, David. We throw away those first 17 weeks and we start over and that's starting next week with some exciting matchups depending on the craziness that could go on this week.
0: Indeed. And we will preview some of the crucial games for this week in just a minute. But before we do that, let's talk about some of the takeaways we got from week 16. And why don't you go first? What was your big takeaway from week 16?
1: Boy, I'll tell you, my bold prediction last week for Nick Foles and the Eagles looked a little conservative. He blew my numbers out of the water. What a performance by Nick Foles bringing the Eagles back again and again and keeping them in the playoff race. Just an amazing performance. And, again, that price tag, I can't imagine Philadelphia picking them up for $20 million, but somebody's going to pay him. And uh, Nick Foles cashing in this week. Um, we'll see if he can get them to the playoffs. And my second takeaway is, you know, our – Our challenge flag last week, we were perfectly simpatico. We were talking to those uh, Los Angeles Chargers, and boy, did they lay an egg. I did not expect that out of the Chargers. So let's see if they can get themselves straightened back out and go back to being that most dangerous team that no one wants to play in the AFC.
0: They might have to do it all on the road, but if there's a silver line to all this, the Chargers were... I think I think they're like seven and0 on the road and f- five and four at home.
1: Yeah, they have the worst home field advantage of anybody playing in that tiny soccer stadium, which is half full with uh, the opponent's fans anyways. They're probably more comfortable on the road.
0: Yes, so there is a silver lining for the Chargers, especially if they could close the regular season out strong in Denver uh, this Sunday. And here is my big takeaway. Even though they lost to the Packers last Sunday, it is clear that the Jets have opened a golden window of opportunity with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold had the best game of his young NFL career last week, and he had an excellent game the week before, all playing with subpar weapons. He's playing like a quarterback that in the future is going to um, be that rising tide that lifts all boats kind of player and leader. The Jets, you have your centerpiece of the future on a cheap contract for at least four more years. And you cannot squander this opportunity. And given the record of general manager Mike McKagan in the draft, don't let him uh, trading up for Donald and and outflanking uh, Buffalo and the Denver Broncos to get him uh, obscure his atrocious draft record. Aside from Jamal Adams and Donald and Leonard Williams and maybe Marcus May, his drafting has been terrible. You and his free agent sightings have been questionable too. Uh, Avery Williamson has turned out to be good, but giving Tremaine Johnson all that money and he oh. is always hurt and blows all those coverages. Mike McCann, I don't think he's earned an extension, and firing Mike McCannon has to be squarely on the table for the Jets to consider because they have to get the most out of this window with Sam Donald and I still have my doubts that Mike McCagnon's the guy to capitalize on it.
1: I think that's a great point, David, and I couldn't agree with you any more on that. The Jets, I mean, it's amazing what he's doing with the offense around him since he's uh, taken back that starting role. You know, the the injury, being able to sit and watch and absorb, I think did wonders for Sam Darnold, and we're seeing that paying off down the stretch here. And really, you know, you've got to look at, like you said, not just clearing out head coach Todd Bowles, but making sure there's a general manager that can stock this team with talent because they lack skill position players on offense and impact players on defense. And let's get an offensive coordinator for Sam Darnold that can maximize his talent and not a ho-hum offensive coordinator like Jeremy Bates, who looked like someone who was a way from the game wasn't ready to take advantage of that great opportunity of working with a young quarterback
0: i agree so do you think mccannon should be fired at the end of the day
1: oh definitely i i don't think he's done enough to to keep this position with the jets it's been you know four years and You know, if you're looking at Todd Bowles as an automatic exit, well, why would you give the keys to McCagnan to pick another guy when his first guy didn't work out, and as you mentioned, his spotty record with free agents, and you know, in the draft as well, he has not earned the right to come back next year and build this team around Sam Darnold.
0: Yeah, Johnson family, I hope you're listening. You have to consider cleaning house in both the coaching staff and front office in order to get the most out of the first four to five years of the Sam Darnold era and now we move on to our favorite game truth or exaggeration and we start in Baltimore where regardless of what happens this Sunday John Harbaugh has earned another contract extension as head coach of the Ravens
1: oh definitely truth 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 no doubt about it um you know, regardless of what happens, John Harbaugh has always had that team playing hard for him. He's always had it a hard nose, nose defensive team. They're number one on defense. And he made the right move by moving away from Joe Flacco and handing the keys to Lamar Jackson and switching up his entire offense in midseason. He has earned the right to come back. Uh, for the Ravens this year No doubt about it Truth, truth, truth
0: Plus, uh, say worst case scenario is They lose at Pittsburgh Wids And Baltimore is once again on the outside Looking into the playoffs Who are you going to replace John Harbaugh with? Out of these prospective coaching candidates I don't see anybody you can replace him with
1: No, really th- There's not a better option I mean You know He's he's built that team He's been there long enough He's got the system running And, you know, without Ozzy Newsome there anymore, you need that continuity. It's not like it's been a terrible, terrible team these past few years. It's been getting that offense straightened out. And the big part of the problem was when they won that Super Bowl, they had no choice but to play to pay, to play uh, to pay Flacco at that time. And that move, as everybody predicted at the time, would come back to haunt them and has. And that's been a big part of their struggles post Super Bowl.
0: Yes, and you also have to consider that the worst season of the Harbaugh era was uh, 2015 when injuries just decimated uh, that team. But uh, you also have to consider that defense was absolutely atrocious in 2015, and they just stacked the cupboard brilliantly in both the draft and free agency three years later at its paid dividends. That quick turnaround defensively has earned Harbaugh uh, some more years at Baltimore as well.
1: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the the transformation on defense, you know, it's back to that classic Baltimore Ravens defense where, you know, you look at some of these players and, you know, coming, you know, you knew C.J. Mosley, you knew veteran Eric Weddle and, you know, Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr. But, you know. Uh, Tony Jefferson, Patrick Amunsa, you know, Kenny Young, these, Zedarius Smith, you know, you see the pass rush coming from so many different players. Uh, It's just a dynamic, smothering defense again. And to see that turnaround in just a few years, what a, you know, huge, huge, huge uh, turnaround and great job by the front office and John Harbaugh.
0: You said it, my friend. And moving on to two other AFC teams, injuries and or lack of depth in the defensive back seven will lead to one of done playoff performances for the Chiefs and Texans.
1: Ooh, that's a half truth and half exaggeration on that one. I'm going to say one of those two teams. Yes, that's going to contribute to that. I think Houston's got enough to get out of the the first round of the playoffs. I'm not so sure – about the Chiefs though that secondary just has not improved even with the return of Eric Berry you can't expect somebody to miss almost two complete seasons and come in and be an impact player it's just impossible in this day and age that's just asking too much of him and that that Chiefs defense just has not improved throughout this season and you might even say it's been getting worse as the season goes on.
0: Yes, and that uh, 3rd and 16 conversion they gave up to Ed Dixon last week was a case in point.
1: Oh, great example. You know, Ed Dixon isn't exactly the most dynamic tight end in the NFL either. (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, you just see it's like week after week after week. Um, you know, they just can't seem to to turn it around. And where they looked so unbeatable early in the season, uh, were holding opponents under 25 points. Uh, you know, th- those days seem like they're gone forever at this point.
0: They most certainly do. And staying in the AFC, and should they get in, the Ravens and Colts are the two main teams nobody will want to face in the playoffs.
1: Oh, with, without a doubt, both of those teams in different ways are so dangerous. The Ravens with that defense, they're, they've shown John Harbaugh is not afraid to go on the road with that defense and challenge anybody to a bare-knuckle brawl in the playoffs. Nobody wants to play that. And Andrew Luck and the Colts? Who wants to take their chances with Andrew Luck with the ball in the fourth quarter of a close game, going up against him the way he's been? Nobody wants to see that offense right now. So yes, truth, truth, both truths. Those teams are both two teams nobody wants to see in the playoffs.
0: I completely agree. And it wouldn't surprise me if one of those two teams uh, actually ends up representing the EFC in the Super Bowl. Ooh
1: possible possible wouldn't with the AFC right now there's you're looking at there's two teams that are not going to make the playoffs out of the 8 that are really in contention right now and any of those 8 I feel are almost equally stacked with a legit chance of making it to the Super Bowl
0: yeah I said returning back to the ravens for a second like a lot of people say oh that's old school football it'll never work on It absolutely can work. Uh, Lamar Jackson is a dynamic playmaker, and he still has work to do on his footwork, but he is perfectly capable of becoming a pocket quarterback in the National Football League. Don't let his college kid you. He actually ran as a last resort in college, and he still runs as a last resort. And that touchdown pass to Mark Andrews last week is living proof that he is perfectly capable of developing into a full-time quarterback in this league and not one that just runs around the yard all the time and as long as he protects the football and they grind out the clock with that ground game uh, that uh, limits the amount of possessions the opposing team will get and allows their defense to constantly tee off in a close game it is a winning formula that is far from dead it still works and works well.
1: I agree completely. And, and, you know, I think Baltimore, if they wanted to, could open up the passing offense a little bit more. But at this point right now, what do they need to do that for? It's working. You know, I mean, we've five out of six with an overtime loss to the Chiefs. I mean, this team is you know humming along what they're doing is working they're not going to change it right now unless you know they get into a situation in the playoffs where they're down by you know two touchdowns in the second half and have to make that change to their philosophy so for now if it keeps working keep doing it
0: and we are now going to pivot to the nfc where if there were an award for nfl unsung hero of the year it would be given to Saints defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins for the 2018 season.
1: Oh, I know you love Sheldon Rankins, and I do as well. Uh, You know, we've talked this year as well about the impact that he's had on that defense with his development this season. And, you know, again, you talk about players that, you know, aren't household names, but probably should be. You know, a big postseason for Rankins and the 24 year old's name could be on the tip of everyone's tongue with a couple of big performances here under the bright spotlight. So definitely a truth that is one of the most underrated players with his ability to rush the quarterback and stuff the run
0: and everybody was um, hanging Juju Smith-Schuster out to dry after that fumble. They're not giving Sheldon Reagans credit, at that criminal. He stripped the ball. And How many uh, big defensive tackles can uh, have that quickness to tackle a wide receiver in the final minutes and strip the ball? Not very many. Sheldon Reagans made the, that impact play that sealed uh, the number one overall seed in the NFC for the New Orleans Saints, and that explains everything.
1: That's right. I mean, sometimes there are, you know, we're going to see it. We're going to see plays where athleticism, great players rising up. And, you know, sometimes you just have to tip your hat to them and say, hey, you beat us on that one. And Sheldon Rankins is not getting enough uh, attention for the fact that, hey, he went out and made a great play. It didn't matter if it was Juju Smith-Schuster or whoever had the ball. He was a man on a mission on that play and made a fantastic play there to save that game.
0: And potentially seal the Saints' uh, trip to the Super Bowl because I personally don't see any of these NFC teams winning in New Orleans. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but if the Saints do make the Super Bowl as expected, that play is going to be looked at as the reason why.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is hard to win in New Orleans, Uh Forget about it. During the regular season, it's difficult to win there Um, with this team, with the defense peaking the way it is now, the way they've been playing in the second half of the season. um, You know, they're just they're just scary at this point. And I don't see it. I mean, you doesn't matter who you match up with. They can pretty much match up with anyone in New Orleans, especially at home when you start getting the Superdome rocking as well. They're just going to be near impossible to beat. And with home field locked up, it's not looking like it's going to be anything easy for anybody in the NFC.
0: And that is the nightmare the rest of the NFC did not want to face by having to go to the Superdome in order to punch their ticket to the Super Bowl or to the NFC championship game. And we stay in the NFC with Defensive Player of the Year Aaron Donald who will break Michael Strahan's single season sack record this weekend against the 49ers
1: Oh truth he's going to be like shot out of a cannon this week i mean th- that's the motivation the rams are going to want to win the game to hold on to that number 2 seed but they're going to everybody on that defense is going to be pulling to get Donald in position to get those three sacks and to get his name in the record book as number one, as he well deserves with the season he's been having.
0: Yes, especially as I've stressed time and time again, uh, I would say at least half the sacks have come when he's double teamed.
1: Yeah, double or triple team. You're starting to see the teams with three blockers there. You know, you got two linemen and a running back or tight end coming over and trying to chip him. It's insane that he still continues to have all that production, the sacks, the tackles for a loss. It's just otherworldly at this point.
0: Otherworldly it is. And last but not least, we move to the Chicago Bears. And even though they ended up winning in San Francisco last week— The tape their defense put up against the 49ers proves exactly why Eddie Jackson is arguably the third most important person on their defense behind only Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks.
1: Yeah, I I, I think it's safe to say that as a truth. Um, you know, we talk about these underrated players, um, in the, (laughs) and we've got to put him right up there with him. And I'm sure they're going to give him the week off this week, um, to get him ready to play next week. But he is just an impact player, Eddie Jackson, in the passing game, in the running game. It, you know, whatever you ask him to do, he's done it and he's done it well.
0: Yeah, and he has grown into arguably a top five safety in this National Football League. Uh,
1: I would have trouble finding more than four safeties to put above him. Uh, I might even say Eddie Jackson maybe a top three based on his production this season.
0: Yes, and... Uh... And he's just getting started, which is the very scary part. He can only improve. And now we take a look at the game with the biggest amount of playoff implications this weekend. And it's on NBC Sunday Night Football for a reason. We're talking about the Colts traveling to Music City to face the Titans. In a winner advances to the playoffs, loser goes home ordeal. And both of these teams are going to be missing a key player in this game, in the trenches. The Colts will be without... Um, Ryan Kelly, who has been equally as instrumental to the transformation of their offensive line as Quentin Nelson has, and the Titans are going to be missing arguably the heart and soul of their defense with Jarrell Casey now on injured reserve with that MCL injury. And whose absence do you think will hurt their team more, Ryan Kelly or Jarrell Casey?
1: That's a tough one because, you know, they're both very, very important. And, you know, Kelly has done, is not, is, the leader of that offensive line as well, you know, but he's making the calls, setting the protection. He's so vital to that Colts offensive line. Uh, Casey as well, he is the interior pass rush of the Titans. There, I am um, going to lean towards Kelly being the bigger loss. I think there's, you know, enough talent on the Titan squad that they can make up for the loss of Casey more so than the Colts trying to make up for the loss of one of their leaders on their offensive line
0: in Ryan Kelly. Ooh, very, very interesting take and some good points indeed. But uh, who are some of those bodies on the Titans defensive line that are capable of picking up the slack without Jarrell Casey?
1: Well, I mean, one, you're going to put more pressure without Casey onto that secondary, and the secondary has been greatly improved in this last quarter of the season, um, just as the Titans have gone on their winning streak uh, after getting blown out by Houston and Indianapolis, you've seen that secondary improve. So that's one area there as well. But looking, you know, beyond Casey, you're looking at, you know, some of those linebackers are going to be picking up some of the slack in the pass rush. We've seen what Harold Landry can do. Um, You know, you've got... Uh Jayon Brown has been playing very well as a, a young linebacker getting a lot of experience as well and Rashawn Evans as well. So you're seeing some of those young safeties taking a step forward and picking that up uh, some of that pressure, whether it's through the blitzing um, because, you know, really you know, the rest of that defensive line is good run stuffers, but you're not getting much of a push coming from the, the that Titans front.
0: Yes, and where Jarrell Casey, I think, will be missed most on Sunday night, as far as the Titans are concerned, will be that interior pass rush, which is a must going against Andrew Luck.
1: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, that is a that is a huge loss, and you you just don't, he just doesn't have a replacement there. There's just nobody ready to step in. I mean, I like Austin Johnson as a young player, but he is not a pass rusher. He is a run stuffer in the middle there for
0: Tennessee. Very good scouting report there, and arguably the biggest question mark for the Titans on Sunday night will be who starts at quarterback. Marcus Mariota is listed as questionable with that uh, stinger injury that he suffered in Saturday's victory against uh, Washington, Uh, but uh, I'm still skeptical about his playing chances because he said like uh, half of his uh, upper body went numb after that, and that's usually not a good sign for playing the following week. But uh, Marcus Mariota, let's face it, he hasn't lived up to expectations uh, with the Titans these past uh, couple seasons, but how much of a downgrade is Blaine Gabbert from Marcus Mariota in your view?
1: You know, I hate to say it, but I think that offense looked better last week against Washington with Blaine Gabbert in there. Um, I think once he got into the game, he kind of opened up that, um, you know, attacking down the seams and down the field. For the offense, which not only opened up the passing game, but got those linebackers for Washington moving backwards and opening up some more of the running game for Tennessee in the second half of that game as well. So as scary as it is for me to to say this out loud, I I think the Titans might be better off with Blaine Gabbert at quarterback
0: Uh, Blaine Gabbert, because he's more of that uh, pocket pass first quarterback that uh, Matt LaFleur offense needs.
1: Yeah, good point there, too. You know, he certainly looked like a better fit last week. That is for sure.
0: Very interesting observation there. But uh, the test will only get tougher for Blaine Gabbert on Sunday night if he indeed uh, has to start. Uh, But I think uh, the biggest overall deciding matchup in this game is going to be the weak links of both these teams. The Titans offense is the weak link of their team going against the Colts defense, which is the weak link of their team. Do you think the Titans offense is a better unit than the Colts defense with or without Mariota? Ugh,
1: that's a tough one. I mean, the whole Titans offense is is really Derrick Henry centric here in this last quarter of the season, there's no doubt about it. Henry's stepped up and with that, you know, has been the offensive line as well, um, which has surprisingly played so well um, without uh, Conklin at right tackle, which is the biggest surprise is how there's been no drop off at all there in the running and passing game there. So, you know, I love what the Colts offense has been doing. Um, I love how their defense has been growing. I'm scared of the Tennessee offense because really you've got one receiving threat in Corey Davis and he hasn't been fully utilized. And you've got Derek Henry and the rest of their offense is pretty much dump offs to Dion Lewis. So. It's a tough call, but I I would give the Titans playing at home just a slighter advantage over that Colts defense uh, coming into this game.
0: And uh, your reasons for that are indeed justified. And you mentioned Derrick Henry, but you also look at the Colts, even without Ryan Kelly playing uh, with Quentin Nelson and that uh, mauling offensive line that they have uh, with uh, Marlon Mack and Jordan Wilkins and Naeem Hines even. This game kind of has a feel to it that whoever runs the ball better is going to win, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, like we said, this is like a playoff game. It's a winner-take-all, loser-go-home. And as we've seen, despite the high-flying offenses we see this year, and that's been the trend in the NFL— A lot of times, once you get to the playoffs, it's who's winning those battles in the trenches, who can control the clock and set up that play-action passing game that's going to come out ahead once we're into late December and January.
0: It most certainly is that time of year again. And when it comes to the one-on-one matchups that will decide this also important game, um, which ones are you looking at?
1: I think the biggest one is going to be a Corey Davis for Tennessee. He is that one game changer that they have on offense. Um, You know, we saw what he did against the Patriots earlier this year where he just took over that game. Um, if he can break loose against the, the Colts uh, secondary, whether it's Quincy Wilson, Kenny Moore, Pierre Desir, whoever they've got trying to cover him, if he can win some of those one-on-one matchups down the field and, you know, be able to get a couple of big chunk plays for that Tennessee offense, that could really be the game-turner, um, you know, if and if the Colts can stop him, they're going to leave that Tennessee offense in neutral and give them a chance to work the ball repeatedly and wear down that Tennessee uh, defense.
0: And uh, speaking of Corey Davis and wide receivers, I'm actually looking the opposite side of the ball with T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton might not be 100%, but who is this time of year? Yet he still came through with some all-important catches Uh, last week and he's going against uh, Adoree Jackson and possibly Logan Ryan on some snaps and those uh, two corners that the Titans have are a very very good pair and uh, shutting out T.Y. Hilton is going to be crucial for the Titans if they want to win this game because I expect a low scoring a grinded out game here with both of these teams wanting to run the ball and whoever makes the most explosive plays could be the tipping point in this game. And T.Y. Hilton being one of the most explosive playmakers in this game, uh, the Titans' corners are going to have to pretty much shut him down and not allow him to get a single explosive play.
1: Exactly. And if I'm the Colts, I'm looking to get him opposite number 21, Malcolm Butler, just because Butler has had so many problems with those double moves down the field. I would be trying to isolate him on Butler and run those double moves and see if I can get a a big hit, especially early on in that game.
0: And last but not least, who moves on to the playoffs and who goes home?
1: It is, you know, this is two teams that are you know they're both tough they're both gritty um you know i love both of the coaches i it, you feel bad because you hate to send one of those teams home um you know because they're both so deserving they've both been two of the hottest teams in the second half of the season right now as well i just you know i I just have a feeling that somehow Tennessee is going to get Corey Davis involved in that offense and score just enough points to edge out Indianapolis in a close one. Um, I'm predicting it, Tennessee 21, Indy 20.
0: I agree this game is going to be very, very close, and it will be neck and neck until the final whistle. Both these teams, as you said, are very gritty and hard-nosed. They play full 60-minute games. Both head coaches have done a brilliant job. In their first year uh, with each team, Mike Vrabel and Frank Reich respectively, but I just cannot bet against the Indianapolis Colts with the kind of season they had. Talk about starting out 1-5 and five, and then being in pole position to land the AFC's final playoff spot this year. Andrew Luck having a comeback player of the year performance for the ages. And you also have Darius Leonard, arguably the defensive rookie of the year. I just can't bet against the Colts. Uh, the Titans have had a good season, but the Colts season just feels more special and I just trust Andrew Luck to make more key plays than whoever the Titans uh, tried out a quarterback. It's going to be close, but I just can't bet against Andrew Luck in a situation like this. Colts 23, Titans 20.
1: Ooh, I, you know, it's going to be close either way, I think. So uh, you could be right, David.
0: Yep, we are partially sympatical that this is going to be a 60-minute dogfight between both of these teams for the final playoff spot in the AFC. And now let's predict the rest of these Week 17 games with our rapid-fire predictions, starting with the uh, games that only have meaning if you care about NFL draft slots, starting with the Dolphins traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills. I just uh, think the Bills have uh, had a very successful season given uh, the roster overhaul they're undergoing and the uh, lack of talent on both sides of the ball uh, Sean McDermott uh, shows you why he could coach uh, very well. The, this Bills team has, uh, actually I expected the Bills to be 5-11, and 11, and I think they win their sixth game of the year with another good uh, rushing performance from Josh Allen. Bills uh, 23, Dolphins 10, and the Ryan Tannehill era comes to an end.
1: Yes, the Brian Tannehill era mercifully comes to an end. This Miami team mailed it in two weeks ago. I've got Buffalo winning it 24-10 to 10 over the Dolphins.
0: The Lions and Packers are both on the outside looking in, but Aaron Rodgers is still playing, and it's at Lambeau Field. Got to give the edge to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers 34-24. Uh, to 24.
1: Yep, pretty close to that. Um, you know, I'm not sure. Is Matt Patricia on the hot seat now? He may just very well be. Um, I've got Green Bay 31-23 to 23 over Detroit.
0: And uh, there's a rumor going around that if the Dolphins do fire Adam Gase, which is very possible, uh, the Lions are going to be looking at him to be offensive coordinator.
1: Ooh, interesting. They need one because Jim Bob Cooter has not done the job this year.
0: He most certainly has not. And the Houston Texans, even though they've clinched a playoff berth, they're still yet to clinch the AFC South, and they host the Jacksonville Jaguars at NRG Stadium this Sunday afternoon. I think the Texans uh, win another division crown by beating the Jaguars by a 24-7 to score.
1: Ooh, I've got this This as an upset special. Jacksonville Jacksonville can get up and play with anybody when they want to, and I think they're going to want to this week. They want to go into Houston. They want to punch them in the face. They've got a bad matchup for that Houston offensive line. Um, You know, Demarius Thomas, Houston's lost him. That's one playmaker on offense. They're short and I can see Jacksonville getting some pressure and pulling this one out in an ugly 18-17 win and sending Houston on the road in the first round of the playoffs.
0: Yes, and if you turn out to be right about the Colts and Titans winner, they're going to be traveling to Tennessee. And if I'm right, and if you're correct about the, the Jaguars upsetting them, the Texans will have to travel to Indy to face the Colts in Ooh. that scenario. The New England Patriots... Thanks to the Philadelphia Eagles, and that they showed their gratitude on Twitter last week, and rightfully so, are just one win away from uh, clenching another first-round bye in a much-needed first-round bye. and even though I think they'll do it, with Sam Darnold and the Jets coming to town the way Sam Darnold is playing, I think Sam Darnold keeps it close in his first-ever matchup against Tom Brady, but the Patriots eke out a 27-20 win.
1: Yeah, I mean the Jets are a little beat up. They're going to be without Quincy and and Jermaine Curse at wide receiver this week. That kind of that pretty much leaves them Robbie Anderson and Andre Roberts. That's not the strategy to uh, pull off an upset there in New England in a game the Patriots desperately need to get that by. So I have New England pulling it off, twenty-four to twelve over the Jets.
0: Oh, very good point there about those Jets injuries and the Carolina Panthers starting undrafted free agent Kyle Allen at quarterback. Travel to New Orleans who will be starting Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. And even though the Saints will be resting a lot of starters, the Panthers are just going to be playing for pride. But I see the Saints winning this game, 24 to 17. And how do they win? Stay tuned for my bowl prediction.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've got the Saints. It'll probably be close. uh 20 to 16 with the Saints with the win over Carolina. Um, You know, Carolina playing for pride. You've been play, playing for pride the whole second half and you still haven't won a game. I, I'm giving it to the Saints.
0: Well, that's probably because uh, Cam Newton uh, was a one on <laughs> quarterback and and. And now they're starting an undrafted free agent who's even worse than Taylor Heineke is, for crying out loud. So Sage should still win this game, even though Drew Brees and their most important players will be resting. The Dallas Cowboys have nothing to play for as they are locked into the fourth seed for the NFC playoffs. They're traveling to East Rutherford to take on the New York Giants. I actually still like the Cowboys in this game because of this defense going on the road. And I think they win a close, ugly 13-10 13-10 to 10 game.
1: Yeah, no Odell Beckham Jr., no chance of the upset there. Um, close, ugly, low scoring. I've got that as well. I have it Dallas 17, the Giants 16.
0: And the last of the early window games, it's a game of which NFC South team wants a higher draft pick. Is it the Falcons at 6-9 and nine heading into the game, or is it the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 5-10 and 10 heading into the game? I... Think the Atlanta Falcons actually pull it off because having Dion Jones back on that defense has proven to be the difference in several of their late season wins, and I think he proves to be the difference again. Falcons twenty one, Bucks seventeen.
1: Yeah, I think um, I, I'm I'm in the same boat, pretty close to that as well, especially with um, you know Tampa Bay the. the they're not even going to show up this week. I don't even see that happening. Um, should be, well, what did I say for that score? 20-18 to 18 Atlanta over Tampa Bay. Ugh, ugly game.
0: Moving on to the games with playoff implications. The Baltimore Ravens are just one win away from winning their first AFC North crown since 2012 when they last won the Super Bowl, but a young and talented Cleveland Browns team stands in their way. I think it's going to be a very, very close game, but I trust that Ravens ground game and defense to eke out a 20-16 to 16 victory.
1: Ooh, I, you know, I was thinking about it that way, but, you know, as far as upset specials go, yeah, I think I've got Cleveland in this one 24-13, and how they do it, well, that'll be my bold prediction later.
0: Whoa, and if they... Uh, dominate this game don't you think that uh, pretty much uh, earns freddie kitchens the new head coaching job
1: well at least the offensive coordinator position coming back depending on who ends up as head coach but do you really want to go into next year with greg williams running that team i can't see that i think they've got a role for kitchens but i don't know if it's going to be head coach
0: it, it, especially if bruce arians uh, decides to come out of retirement and coach the browns he got a role with bruce because i think he'd do wonders with baker mayfield
1: oh my god i'm just salivating at the thought of bruce arians working with baker mayfield oh that sounds wonderful
0: yes and just think how much better baker is going to be in that offense will be next year when they get him some more bona fide weapons
1: exactly you know they should be they, they Still got plenty of draft picks here, plenty of capital to add that way and space under the salary cap to add players in free agency. They're in a great position to, to move up.
0: Future is looking bright in Cleveland and the Kansas city chiefs, despite their alarming performances, these past two weeks on defense, they still have a chance to clinch the AFC's number one overall playoff spot, thus home field advantage throughout the playoffs and they have the Raiders coming in, and although I think the Raiders are going to keep it close for a little bit, I think Patrick Mahomes uh, pulls away at the end, thirty-five to twenty-one.
1: Yeah, pretty close there. I, I think um, you know you'll see in the first half, Oakland. They're playing. They're playing much better here down the stretch. Um, But not well enough to go into Arrowhead and and win a game that, you know, Kansas City wants. I'll see uh, the Chiefs 31 to 19 over the Raiders.
0: The Minnesota Vikings, it's simple. A win and they're in and they face the Chicago Bears, a team that they will probably face if they beat the Bears uh, this Sunday, the following weekend in wildcard weekend. And I actually think the Vikings do come away with the win here because the Bears, as the intel coming out of Hallis all suggested this week, they're going to be watching the scoreboard between the Rams and 49ers, and I don't see the 49ers keeping that game close. And especially since you don't want any more of your players uh, getting key injuries in the second half, the Bears might play, play for it all for a quarter or a half, but at halftime they'll see up, oh, uh, the Rams are winning big. We don't have a chance to get that bye. We'll just uh, we'll just um, mail it in this week and see the Vikings again in our home field next week. Vikings 24, Bears 10.
1: Yeah, I, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking the Bears aren't even showing up for this game. Um, <laughs> I think they're looking at it and they're saying, do we want to play Kirk Cousins next week? Or do we want to play Nick Foles? And I'm going to say, uh, right now, I'll take Kirk Cousins, thank you. Minnesota 20, Chicago 10.
0: The Pittsburgh Steelers, if the Ravens do get upset by the Browns, all they have to do is beat Jeff Driscoll and the Cincinnati Bengals, and they win the AFC North and get in to the playoffs. I think the Steelers should have no problem uh, winning this game, Uh, whether the Ravens lose or... um, Beat the Browns is out of their control, but I think the Steelers uh, win this game pretty handily, 34 to 13.
1: Yeah, pretty close on that one as well, David. I've got it 33 16. Cakewalk for Pittsburgh at home against the Bengals.
0: Should be a cakewalk indeed. And Josh Johnson had a very inspiring performance for the Redskins last week, but it wasn't enough to beat Blaine Gabbard and the Titans. And I do not think it will be enough. To beat red-hot Nick Foles and the Eagles, I think the Eagles pull away with a 27-17 victory over the Redskins. Yeah, I
1: don't even think it's going to be that close. I think you're going to see Philadelphia out there clicking on all cylinders on offense. And, you know, the return of Timmy Jernigan has really sparked that defense on the other side as well with that interior pass rush that he brings. And, you know, that nasty streak and stopping the run. So I see it with Philadelphia 36 to 16 over Washington.
0: The Los Angeles Chargers still have a chance to be the number one overall seed in the AFC. They're going to need a win at Denver and a Chiefs loss uh, to the Raiders. Much easier said than done, but one half of it is pretty easier done than said, dare I say, or just as easy said. <laughs> yeah, it sounds
1: good either way. I like it.
0: <laughs> Equally as easy said than done to beat the Denver Broncos, which will be the final game of the Vance Joseph era in Denver, their first back-to-back losing seasons in 46 years. But that should be enough to deter Pat Bowlen from getting into the Hall of Fame, uh, this February. But I think the chargers of pull away with a rather easy 24 to six victory.
1: Yeah, I- I'm pretty close there, uh, in the score as well. I see it, uh, 30 to 16 for the Chargers and you know no, Philip Lindsay, not much of a chance for Denver.
0: Indeed. And uh, best wishes to Philip Lindsay on a speedy recovery after that horrendous uh, wrist injury he suffered uh, last uh, Monday night against the Raiders. He is probably going to be limited in OTAs and won't be full strength again come training camp, but he should make a full recovery by then. And we're pulling for you, Philip Lindsay, after an offensive rookie of the year caliber season, dare I say. So get well soon, Philip Lindsay. The Los Angeles Rams hope to clinch a much-needed first-round bye going against the 49ers. And the devaluation of the running back position, it still looks real because look look at what C.J. Anderson did without Todd Gurley last week. I think C.J. Anderson uh, carries the load again this week to a similar performance. Jared Goff throws some touchdowns as well, and Aaron Donald breaks Michael Strand's all-time sack record as the Rams dominate 35
1: to 14 yep i've I've got the rams in a blowout as well and and that just speaks you know having a cj anderson step in just speaks to how good that offensive line is in front of him for the rams uh easy win 42 to 17 over san francisco
0: the seahawks are already in after that impressive victory over the chiefs last sunday night but they're still going to play for something as they host the Arizona Cardinals who are looking to put the seal on the first overall pick in this uh, 2019 NFL Draft. I think the Cardinals uh, play to lose this game and I think they do lose by a final score of 24-3. to
1: yeah, ugly, ugly game coming from Arizona, no doubt about it. I have it 27-11 to 11 for Seattle, and uh, they gear up to go uh, head in and take on Dallas in that first round, which should be a great game.
0: Wish it that might be the toughest game to pick on wildcard weekend.
1: That's, that Seattle team is not afraid to go on the road, and that defense will travel, and Russell Wilson does not get jet
0: lag. He most certainly does not, plus his Super Bowl experience, I think, would uh, give the Seahawks a leg up against Dak Prescott, even in Dallas. Exactly. And now let's move on to looking into the distant future, the not-so-distant future, but still the distant future. We are still um, four weeks away, if not four or five weeks away from Super Bowl 53, and a week is an eternity when you're talking about the NFL But if you had to predict today who would face off at Super Bowl 53, who would the teams be and who would win?
1: Well, I I would have to predict the Saints coming out of the NFC because I just don't know that anybody is going to be able to defeat them with home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I think that's the easy pick. As far as the AFC, I mean, you know, I mean... Any of those teams, I can see Kansas City being the representative. I can see them losing in the divisional round to the Chargers. Uh, You know, I mean, you look at the Patriots and you say, I can see a scenario unfold where, you know, the Chiefs get knocked out. They get home field advantage for the AFC championship game and end up there. And then you can say, well, if they play like they did on offense last week, I can see them getting knocked out in the divisional round as well. And then the rest of the teams, we don't know. Is it Baltimore or Pittsburgh? Is it Tennessee or the Colts? Uh, Where does Houston, are they at home? Are they on the road? So anybody in that churn, depending on where they end up, um, you know, could ride a couple of home wins to a, a trip to the Super Bowl. So it's a coin flip in the AFC and the Saints coming out of the NFC.
0: But if you had to choose an AFC team right now, who would it be? Oh, I'd
1: have to I'd, I'd
0: still have to go with the Chiefs.
1: I think they can just outscore anybody in the league right now. And, you know, maybe it'll take a 43 to 40 game for them to get there. But I think Kansas City still has to be the favorite.
0: And who would win a Super Bowl match between the Saints and Chiefs?
1: Oh, the Saints would lo- would win easily, and it would probably be a, one of those snoozer games where they're up, uh, you know, 31 to 13 in the third quarter.
0: All right, so you have it as Saints and Chiefs with the Saints winning 31 to 13 in a Super Bowl, dare I say. I have it exactly. a little differently. I think Drew Brees and Tom Brady are long overdue to meet each other in a Super Bowl, and I just can't bet against Tom Brady, even if it looks like the Patriots are struggling right now, I trust them to turn it around in the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl, and they will meet the Saints in Atlanta for Super Bowl 53, and it'll be a close game, but as of right now, I see the Saints beating the Patriots 30-27 to in Super Bowl 53 if I had to choose today.
1: Oh, I would love to see Brady Breeze in that Super Bowl. My goodness, that would be a great—I mean, <laughs> the two weeks leading up to that, all that hype, oh, I can't even imagine.
0: What the NFL's probably praying for, and I think they're probably praying for it right now, dare I say.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. If I'm the NFL, I might want to have two weeks of Patrick Mahomes hype at this point, too, because what a special player. Yeah.
0: yeah, he's the future but, of that position. He is the next— a great potential future Hall of Fame quarterback. And that's going to take the mantle after Breeze and Brady hang it up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I was talking to somebody this week and I said, you know, I look back on it now and I kind of go, Andy Reid, why why didn't you stick Mahomes in there in the playoffs last year? Forget about this Alex Smith stuff. You cost yourself a a, a playoff win. Come on. Uh We'll never know for sure. <laughs> I know, sure, but, I know. Uh, tough looking back like that, but yeah. now it looks like, ooh,
0: maybe. Oh, it absolutely does. And moving on to our bold predictions for this week, and you go first here, Hal. What is your bold prediction for Week 17?
1: So my bold prediction for Week 17, the Baltimore Ravens in a game they have to win to make the playoffs— Enter the fourth quarter with a 13 to three lead over Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield throws not one, not two, but three fourth quarter touchdown passes to erase the 10 point deficit and bring Cleveland to an eight, seven and one above 500 record and knock their division rival, the Baltimore Ravens out of the playoffs.
0: That's not so bold knowing Baker Mayfield. Baker's my, my son, dare I say. I know Baker's <laughs> capable of leading such comebacks. But I am going to focus on a different quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. He will punch his ticket to a mega deal in free agency this March by going 20 for 25 for 275 yards and three touchdowns, leading the Saints to a 24-17 icing on the cake regular season victory over the Carolina Panthers. And now for our challenge flags, and I'm going first, I'm going to give a shout out to my man, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Kirk, I've always said that I believed that you would prove to be worth the $84 million the Vikings fully guaranteed you. And getting rid of Jody Filippo and installing Kevin Stefanski, you guys are finding your rhythm on offense at exactly the right time. And this is your biggest chance to change the narrative on your career that, oh, he's never going to live up to those $84 million guaranteed. He can never win a key game. He can never beat a winning team. This is your golden opportunity to change that narrative forever, Kirk Cousins. Go do it. Prove him wrong. I
1: like it, David. Excellent. Uh, For my challenge flag, this is going out to multiple NFL teams. Folks, it's time to pull the plug. Cincinnati Bengals, New York Jets, Miami Dolphins, Denver Broncos, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, do not be afraid to start over. The next Sean McVay could be out there. And if you just stick with the same guy that hasn't done anything for you and i'm even looking at arizona with wilkes detroit with patricia whatever pull the plug if it's not working if it's not the right guy admit you made a mistake move on find that next dynamic head coach because that's what's going to be required in the nfl don't be afraid to pull the plug and make the move teams
0: He is Hal Bentley, ladies and gentlemen, from FullPressCoverage.com, and if you're a Patriots fan, you can catch his Patriots-centric work at MusketFire.com and BostonSportPage.com. And Hal, uh, who you could also follow on Twitter at HalBento1, hope you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you too, my friend.
1: Yes, have a very happy New Year because I think we've got some great football lined up for us uh, in January and, dare I say, February of 2019, David. Uh, You know, happy holidays, happy New Year, and let's have some great games to finish off this uh, 2018 season.
0: Let's have those great games indeed, Hal Bent, and that's it for today here on Sports Crunch, but we'll be back next week to preview Wild Card Weekend and break down the looming NFL coaching carousel, so stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at SportsCrunch.com, and remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Hal. For Hal Bent, our producer Chris Broadhead, this is David Cromwell saying so long and see you next year. Happy New Year, everybody.